The first time somebody's on a roof, they shouldn't be on the 12 pitch at three o'clock in the morning if they never cut a hole in the roof before. That is dangerous. You know, you don't want to put your two probationary firefighters on the roof. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Try to team people up so that one of the individuals has a lot of experience and someone else that they could teach and bring along. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Vertical ventilation remains a pretty controversial subject these days. Ever since the UL report on it came out, firefighters have been arguing whether vertical ventilation is worth the risk and if it even has the effects we want. One thing that makes it risky is that it's tough to do realistic training for it. So where do you stand? Today's guest has some insights into the debate. Frank Ritchie is a battalion chief with the New Haven, Connecticut Fire Department. He's an FDIC instructor and lecturer. With two decades on the job, Frank has written magazine articles, chapters for textbooks, and created DVDs on firefighting techniques. And Frank Ricci joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Scott, it's an honor to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the basics. Some people say always go to the roof, some say never. What do you say? Well, being from New England, I believe that each jurisdiction has to make an honest assessment of their resources their strategy, their tactics, how their department operates, and make a decision based off each local area. Unfortunately, this debate seems to have more steam on Facebook and Twitter than in the departments actually debating what's best for their individual department. How effective is vertical ventilation when it's done right? When it's done in conjunction with fire attack, properly coordinated, I think it's an effective tactic. I think it also has a psychological impact on the crews performing a search. And the key is it has to be performed in unison with fire attack. That's kind of the key. And when it's done right, I think it's very effective. What about the alternatives? Are those equally good or are they lesser? Depends what you're talking about. And uh, for example, some departments out west use positive pressure ventilation. and Departments in the East Coast, especially the Upper East Coast, where we have a lot of bloom frame construction, that's not such an advantageous uh, solution to some of our problems because of the years that our homes were built in and structures were built. So, again, it's a tool for the box. Um, Positive pressure ventilation does work effectively if done correctly. No situation fits every single determining mark of we need to use this or we need to do that. Um, in a high-rise situation, 
definitely electric fans and positive pressure uh, plays a role even in uh, the Northeast. You know, it seems like every time there's a YouTube video of somebody going through a roof, there's a call for people to stop getting up there in the first place. Uh, in the city I work in, I'm a battalion chief in the city of New Haven. Um, I'm the department's drill master, and I'm on detached duty now as the union president. The Every fire, we send a crew to the roof, so it's coordinated with engine company operations. And New Haven has a reputation for being an aggressive and a very effective uh, fire department. What I see in other departments that don't have the staffing to coordinate the fire ground with ventilation and fire attack is they make a lot of parking lots. And if you come to New Haven, we tend to put the fire out. And what do you mean specifically by coordination? Coordination comes down to anytime you do ventilation, you want it communicated, coordinated, and controlled. So it can't be indiscriminate venting. So, so let's take horizontal ventilation first. You got to ask yourself, why am I venting? Am I venting for life or am I venting for fire? If I'm betting for life, then I can't take any windows if I can't cordon off my area. So, for example, it's almost impossible in 99% of the homes and apartments to vent for life in a kitchen because there's no way to close off the kitchen. There's uh, very rare that you can vent for life in a living room because there's no way to close off the living room. So, if you're in a living room or a kitchen and you're searching and high heat is building up, you can't take the window. If you do, you're only going to make things worse. However, if you're in a bedroom and you shut the door when you're searching, then you can take the window. You're going to clear the products of combustion. The floor is going to lift. It's going to facilitate a cleaner and quicker search. If you're venting for fire you, horizontally, we want the member to on the outside, vent the window closest to the seat of the fire after the engine company is playing water in that fire compartment. Just because an engine company is starts blowing water when they enter the structure, say if the hallway's on fire, that's not the time to be taking windows. You're actually going to overpower that engine company. You want them to get to the seat of the fire, take out that window, evaluate conditions. You're going to see that there's a positive change. And then only after you witness that positive change, then you can move to the next window. Same goes for vertical ventilation. It takes time. There's a lag time to get to the roof. So vertical ventilation can't be an afterthought. It's got to be done by a crew that's assigned at the beginning of the operation to make that hole. And they don't want to push down that ceiling until the actual hose line is playing water on the seat of the fire. So you don't want to pre you don't want to vent early and you don't want to vent late. You want to vent just right. So if it's a bedroom, two bedrooms on the top floor fire, they would vent the attic but not push down the ceiling until they saw or heard or confirmed over the radio, depending on how your department operates, that extinguishment of the room of origin or where your main body of fire is is taking place i'll be back with more right after this federal resources is a mission critical solutions provider with only one goal to empower and prepare the first responder for any threat at home or abroad that they are called on to respond to your mission is to protect and defend 
Our mission is to make sure you're equipped with the knowledge and training on response techniques to current threats. We'll make sure you know the latest innovations in technology to ensure mission success every time. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. Now, you mentioned balloon construction as related to horizontal ventilation. What role does building construction type play in making the decision to vent the roof? For balloon frame construction, for any of our new listeners out there, if you go into the attic of a balloon frame house, say a two and a half wood, and you drop the quarter along the wall, that quarter is going to end up in the basement. So therefore, it's, it's the perfect environment for fire to get in the wall and travel up. One thing also missed with balloon frame construction is the floors are usually attached with a ribbon board. So not only do you have a vertical void, but you also generally have horizontal voids that get into the floor space. So if you have a basement fire or a first floor fire, even on a two and a half wood, once the engine company starts applying water, I want that roof opened up and it's going to make things easier for the companies to get in, open the walls, find the fire, and put out the fire. Seems like a good deal of the problems that happen with safety and roof operations are related to inadequate training. How can departments get adequate training on specifics of roof ventilation? Well, there's two major issues. You have inadequate staffing and inadequate training. So let me take the inadequate staffing first. If you looked at a chief officer's badge, it should really say logistics on it. And far too many officers are cowards out there when it comes to ensuring the proper number of firefighters are on scene to safely, efficiently, and effectively control the building. Everybody wants to wear that gold badge, but what that badge should say besides logistics is responsibility. So if you don't have enough people coming to your fire, um, you better be calling And if you're the actual chief, you better ensure that you have mutual aid agreements, that you're having those companies respond before there's a confirmed working fire so that you can safely, efficiently control the building. So once you have enough people, and I don't know any fire department anywhere in the country, and I go all around the country, where somebody else doesn't want to come to your fire. So I think a lot of it of we don't have enough people is a failure in leadership. Because there is things like mutual aid, staffing, live-in programs. There's definitely a whole bunch of things that fire departments can do to increase that staffing at a fire. The next thing on the training piece that you wanted to talk about is get with your local fire marshal. Get with your local building inspector. Because acquired structures is the best way to train for vertical ventilation and for all tasks on the fire ground besides your training academies, but acquired structures should be augmenting the training that occurs at the academy. So if you can get acquired structures when they're knocking down a building, knocking down a house, what a great time to do roof operations drill. The first time somebody's on a roof, they shouldn't be on a 12 pitch at three o'clock in the morning if they never cut a hole in the roof before. Um, That I would agree with you is dangerous, but there tends to be enough training opportunities out there even in rural America where they're getting rid of the farmhouse or they're knocking down this building or the building's abandoned where you can go and train. You just got to 
go out there and seek out those opportunities and you'd be surprised what you can find. There's always a risk that comes with going to the roof. How do we minimize that risk? Training, education, and experience. You know, you don't want to put your two probationary firefighters on the roof. Your firefighters have to know that sounding, and um, this came out of the, one of the first UL studies done, is that sounding a roof or a floor or uh, floor assembly is not an indication of true structural stability. But it's a judgment call. Yes, you want to cut the uh, hole over the fire but you want to make sure that it's safe to do. That was my primary position uh, in New Haven for probably nine to 10 years was going to the roof on the city's busiest truck company. The more you do it, the better you get at it. But it's about, it's about anything. It's about minimizing the risk with training experience and a little bit of knowledge and try to team people up so that one of the individuals has a lot of experience and someone else that they could teach and bring along. Okay, Frank Ritchie, thanks for being with me today on Code 3. Uh, thanks. It's an honor to be on Code 3, and I uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Scott, hopefully see you at FDIC. And we put some more information about the ongoing, never-ending discussion about vertical ventilation on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash vertical. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. What's a Lorenzo Ladder? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the bull sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today, support the show, and get access to the Code 3 bull sessions. Here's the trivia answer. A Lorenzo ladder is or was an improvised master stream. It's made up of a standard ladder pipe fitted onto a 16-foot extension ladder. The ladder is placed into position out of a window on the floor below the fire floor with cables to hold it in place. It was invented by Lieutenant Peter Lorenzo of the FDNY, but no one seems to have actually used it at a real fire. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com. Thank you.